Welcome to Making the Most of Time with me, Elliot Apple. I'm a financial planner and caregiver. To give you a little background, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer when I was 25. Our world was changed instantly, and it's been a constant state of change ever since. Since then, I've been learning about the intersection of money, health, and loss, personally and professionally. This is a place to explore money, loss, and grief. It's about making the most of time, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially. There are no taboo topics, no question is off limits. These conversations are for people like you, people who are about to lose a significant other, widows, caregivers, and anybody affected by a major health event. I'm glad you're here. So with that, let's start making the most of time. Losing a spouse and experiencing the company and grief is heartbreaking. Life changes overnight. What was once easy can become difficult. It could be paying the bills, cooking, eating, getting out of the house, or remembering appointments. Widowhood is unlike anything someone has typically experienced. The brain fog that can come with the death of a spouse is challenging. It doesn't help that grief is swept under the rug in the United States. We aren't taught how to experience grief or how to be there for someone experiencing it. It can feel awkward. You may be unsure of what to do. You may be worried about hurting someone or bringing up sad memories if you say the wrong thing. Don't let that stop you from being there for someone who recently became a widow. Let's talk about four clear ways you can help a widow. Number one, listen to a widow. Death is not the time for opinions, stories about yourself, or trying to fill silence. It's a time for listening, authentic, compassionate, and truly caring listening. It's a time for sitting in silence and being there in someone else's emotions. It's about being okay in the uncomfortable feelings. There's no clear path in grief. It's unpredictable. It's volatile. It's simply all over the place. The sooner you can recognize and internalize it, the easier it will be to listen and sit with someone without an agenda or worrying about what to say. Let's talk about what you could say to a widow. If you're looking for a few ideas, here are some phrases you could remember. What kind of day has this been? What you are feeling sounds so natural to me. It sounds like someone grieving the death of a loved one. What's your favorite memory of? And use the person's name. There are no good words for loss, and I'm here with you. What do you wish people knew about what you are experiencing? If you're looking for more ideas, I've done a podcast and a blog post on the ultimate guide of what to say to a widow, I'd recommend checking it out. There's a long list of phrases that you can pick up there. Unfortunately, many people shy away from using the deceased's name or are afraid of bringing up memories of them. Don't shy away from it. Lean into those feelings. Saying the deceased's name is a way to tell the widow they are not forgotten and are loved. Reminiscing about stories with that person is a way to honor them. What a gift it can be for a widow to hear about your favorite memories with their loved one. While the rest of the world may try to avoid emotions, stories, and grief widows often experience, you can be the one they feel more comfortable around. Let's spend some time talking about what not to say to a widow. First, recognize you're going to make mistakes. You will likely say something wrong. I have said plenty of wrong things. As long as it's said with love and kindness and are willing to apologize when you notice, it's likely going to be okay. If you aren't constantly worrying about saying the wrong thing, it is much easier to hold space for someone and speak from the heart. Here are a few phrases I think you should personally eliminate from your vocabulary. It can be tough, though, because many of these are common phrases we hear. 
I understand what you're going through. I can't imagine what you're going through. Everything happens for a reason. They are in a better place. Any phrase that has at least in it, at least you had a long time with them, at least they died quickly, at least they didn't suffer. If you mess up and say the wrong thing, own it. Apologize to them immediately and clarify what you should have said instead. If you notice it later, call them to explain. The sooner you can recognize you said the wrong thing that may have hurt them, the sooner you can apologize and the sooner you can help the other person start healing from what you said. Again, almost everyone makes mistakes in what they say, particularly at first. You're communicating in a way that isn't taught, is rarely experienced, and if you go off of what other people say, you're often learning the wrong lessons. Number two, be specific in your offers of help to a widow. Have you ever had someone say, let me know if you need anything, or I'm here if you need anything? How often do you take them up on it? Rarely, I'm guessing. When someone is recently widowed, they often do not know what they need. They may also be too exhausted to ask for help or are afraid of imposing. There's a long list of reasons they may not take you up on your offer. A better method is to be very specific in your offer of help and potentially follow up with, is there anything else that would be more helpful to you now? This way you've already proposed an idea and given them an idea of how much you're willing to help, but also leave the door open for other options if there's something they need more. For example, you could say, I want to come over and clean your house on Saturday between 1 and 5 p.m. and then get takeout for us to eat dinner together. If you're not up for me being around on Saturday, it's okay to cancel on me, including when I arrive. This is an idea I had, but is there anything else that would be more helpful to you now? What's great about this statement is the following. You propose an activity you can do for them, cleaning. You were specific about the day and time, Saturday between 1 and 5 p.m. You invited them to do something with you, eat dinner. You gave them an out if they aren't up for having you over, and okay to cancel last minute. And you left the invitation open for them to suggest something else that they may need more at the moment. It's rare that a widow would not appreciate a cleaner house or a meal together, but it is possible they need space and don't want to see anybody on Saturday, in which case they can cancel at any point. In this situation, you did the heavy work of coming up with an idea, but you are putting them in control if they don't feel well or want something different. Let's look at a few common offers of help and how that could fit into your specific offers. Food. Food is one of the most popular ways people offer to help. It's easy to make a main dish or bring takeout. If you're going to bring food, I would try to get a sense for how much food they already have. If they end up with too much food, you are possibly creating another problem where the widow's freezer is full or food needs to be thrown away because it's gone bad. It's okay to bring food, but a better idea may be to bring food in the weeks or months after death. Immediately after death, there are often many offers of help. After the first few weeks, many of those offers suddenly disappear. Food may be more helpful later. House cleaning and other household tasks. Trying to do normal life things while grieving can feel insurmountable. You could offer to do laundry, dust, vacuum, or anything else that may need cleaning. And it doesn't have to be by you. You could arrange for a professional housekeeper to clean. If there are repairs that need to be made, you could do them or hire a handy person. Some widows may find certain household tasks are a good break from everyday life. That's just something to be aware of. If they prefer to clean or do other household tasks, don't force the issue. It can feel nice to have control over certain parts of your life. Yard work. Another option is to offer to mow the lawn, weed the garden, or shovel snow. If you don't have the time, you could hire a service for that. Like cleaning, a widow may enjoy being in their garden, and you don't want to take that away from them. It's best to get a feel for what they might want help with by proposing an idea and seeing if they have any objections to it. 
And finally, getting out of the house. It can be easy to start a pattern of staying home and feeling isolated as a widow. An offer to go to a restaurant, walk in the park, see a movie, visit a bookstore, go to a museum, or anything else that is out of the house can go a long way. Home is usually filled with memories, smells, and reminders. Being physically present in a different space may help emotionally or provide a good distraction. If the widow declines the first few times, it's likely okay to keep offering. They may not be ready at first, but would welcome an invitation later. It's not uncommon for many offers to come in around the same time as death, but then taper off. Like many social engagements, if someone says no enough times, it's common for them to stop inviting them, but for a widow, it can be isolating. You should consider continuing to invite them. If you're looking for other ways widows have shared how people have supported them through this, I'd recommend reading Modern Widows Club. There is a blog article on their website, and I link to it in my blog post if you want more ideas. Number three, send a book about grief. This one may sound strange, but grief isn't talked about enough. Grief isn't socially accepted for anything more than short periods of time. Grieving and moving on tends to be the request from society. What if you gave a widow a book that talked about grief and allowed them to feel what they are feeling? What if they had permission to explore their grief? Life might be better. There is no one-size-fits-all book for grieving. Some books will resonate with one widow, while another may hate it. Here are a few book ideas if you want to explore that further. I'd also recommend you read a copy of what you send. It may make help sense of what is happening in a widow's life right now. Here are the book titles. It's okay that you're not okay. Meeting grief and loss in a culture that doesn't understand. How to survive the loss of a love. Healing after loss. Daily meditations for working through grief. Bearing the unbearable. Love, loss, and the heartbreaking path of grief. And finally, the year of magical thinking. If you're looking for more ideas, you can do a search. There's also a New York Magazine article that I linked to in the blog with more ideas. If you're uncomfortable sending a book about grieving, consider giving a journal. A journal can be used for reflecting, but also to keep track of everything that's happening. While widows have widow fog, I often recommend they write down appointments, phone calls, dates, times, what was discussed, and anything else important. It can help them keep track of what is happening and be a reference for if they forget. Number four. Check in regularly with a widow. As I mentioned earlier, I often see an immense support circle and offers of help in the immediate aftermath of a death. It's great there's a powerful force behind a widow during that time, but I am often disappointed to see it drop off over time. If you want to make an impact, make a note every few weeks to check in with a widow. Continue being specific in your offers of help. Although the immediate actions that need to be done after death are painful and challenging, life usually doesn't magically get easier a few months after a death. Often there is still paperwork to be done, the house needs more cleaning, and the grief is still present. But the rest of the world normally moves on. It can be challenging to watch friends and family resume their normal lives while a widow's world is still turned upside down, often never to be the same again. Anniversaries, birthdays, and other important dates. People often shy away from sending notes or calling on important dates for fear of reminding the widow of that date. A widow already remembers that date. I can confidently say in most circumstances, they're going to know it. They remember their anniversary, birthdays, and the death of their loved one. They're likely grieving in the days leading up to it and on the day. It's okay to call them and say something like, I know it's Jim's birthday on Saturday, and I wanted to acknowledge it may be a tough time. What's life been like recently for you? It's okay if there's silence on the call. It's okay if you feel uncomfortable. It will likely feel uncomfortable at first. 
You're showing up in a way you probably haven't normally. You're showing up in a way many others probably won't. Remember, it's okay to share a favorite story about the person who died. It can be a gift for the widow to hear it. If you don't feel comfortable calling the widow, send them a voice recording, video recording, or a note in the mail. An acknowledgement that they are loved and their spouse is remembered can be meaningful. Final thoughts in my question for you. I've kept this list of ways to help a widow purposefully short. This is more about learning the spirit of how to help instead of specific ideas. I could give you a hundred different ways to help a widow, but if you can get at least a couple of these down, you'll be creating space and helping more than most. If you can learn one phrase to say to a widow instead of, let me know what you need, you'll be helping. If you can be specific in your offers of help, the widow in your life will likely appreciate it. A book about grief can be a nice way for them to explore their own grief and open the door to conversations about grief. Finally, checking in regularly shows you care. When many other friends and family have stopped checking in, you could be the friendly face they want to see. And I'll leave you with one question to act on. What is one way you will remember to help a widow? Elliot Apple is an investment advisor representative of Kindness Financial Planning, LLC. However, in hosting this podcast, Elliot is not acting as an investment advisor representative individually or on behalf of Kindness Financial Planning. The information and opinions in this podcast are for general, informational, and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of publication, and such opinions are subject to change. No representation is made as to the completeness or accuracy of the information presented. Any past performance referenced is historical and no guarantee of future results. All indices referenced are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. All investments involve a certain level of risk. You should carefully consider if an investment is suitable for you before making an investment. Please consult your legal, financial, and other professionals to determine what may be appropriate for you.